Hello and welcome to episode 14 for Sports and Songs. I'm your host Dan and this is Andy here as well. Welcome Andy. Welcome. How are you doing today? Good. It's February 15th, 2020. We just finished Valentine's uh, Day and uh, we've got a big event here that we'll be attending this afternoon uh, as well called the Hams, Hams Beer Event, the 21st annual. In Medina, Minnesota, yes. Medina at the ballroom will be... Uh, talking about this in the next show uh what we found uh maybe some images we took some photos some video might try the facebook live thing today we'll see what it, kind, it how may we feel. it may be facebook live worthy yes guinea pig facebook live guinea pig yes so that'll be interesting so what we've got today is uh, we got a good selection of sports a lot of activity good information on music as well yes so where should we start off with i think uh uh, I'm going to recommend a little Major League Baseball to yeah. start off with. Uh, baseball has made some rule changes this year. Um, we kind of talked about that earlier a while ago, but here's some of the rule changes they got coming. They're going to affect everyday fans. I mean, yes, they've changed roster sizes and that, but unless you're really into fantasy baseball, that's not going to affect you too much. Um, they have changed it where you got a maximum of 13 pitchers, which affects a lot of teams if you're playing interleague ball and oh, I got the DH, now I can get an extra pitcher up, stuff like that. That's where it's going to come into play. But one thing is, only pitchers and two-way players may pitch unless the game is in extra innings or a team is winning or losing by more than six runs. And to tell you the truth, I don't think anyone ever used that unless they were down by more. It was like they were down by ten and it's the eighth inning. So I never really think that was a, a deal. I think they just kind of made it officially a rule. Um, because another rule change they have is a pitcher must face three batters. This one I like. But the exception to that is if he comes in and he faces one batter, it's the end of the inning, inning, he does not need to come back in. So if he finishes the inning or needs to face three batters. So that's going to be a rule change that's going to help speed the game up a lot, not situational players when you go through four pitchers for four batters. That just kind of takes the thing out of it. Now they're saying that that rule won't take effect until March 12th or 13th. So that's during spring training. So these first couple weeks of spring training, they can... Let, they could do that to get everybody's work in. But they'll start getting used to it in spring training, so it's not a issue right. come opening day. They'll be in their, on their radar. Um, so that's really the two major rule changes as far as that goes. They have made some changes in the playoffs are going to start for next year. Uh, one thing they're considering is Major League Baseball might go to a selection Sunday, kind of like college basketball they're calling it. Uh, Major League Baseball is considering changes in the format, playoff format, which would bring a dramatic live TV show, which two teams from each league would have the ability to select their first-round opponent. The proposed format, which is gaining traction amongst the owners within the commissioner's office, would see the total number of playoff teams in each league increase from 5 to 7, with the wild-card round expanding from one-game playoff to a best-of-three. The format would go into effect as early as the 2022 season. The league's proposal was first reported by the New York Post. Here's how it worked. The team with the best record in the American and National League would receive a first-round bye, automatically advancing to the division series. The two division winners would host all three games of the West of Three wildcard round, and the wildcard team would be the next best record. Three other wildcard teams would also advance to a best of three round, though none would host a game. The divisional winner is with the best, second-best record, in the league would get to decide who they play. So, because you see that sometimes in baseball, it's like teams kind of jockey for position, like especially in football, not football, but 
college sports sometimes you don't want to play that team baseball you, oh man i don't want to play that team in the first round well that's not your call now the other team is going to have a chance to see if they want to play you or not which i like it i, I like it too because it kind of say it comes back where you're hey i picked i wanted to play oakland instead of los angeles well, say Los Angeles wins, now you got to beat them in the second round. Oh, you didn't want us now? I mean, that's nice incentive, nice bulletin board material for their team to kind of come through. I think that'd be kind of neat. Um, just to kind of use the examples is, last season the Astros would have had the been the AL's number one seed and having the best record in the league, while the Yankees, Twins, Athletics would have hosted the three-card wildcard series. The Yankees, by virtue of the number two seed, would have then been in charge with the assignment of picking their opponent from the groups of the seeds 5 through 7, which would have been the Rays, Indians, and Red Sox. And after the Yankees picked their opponent, we, Twins were next. They would have picked their opponent, and then by default, the other two would have played each other. But can you see the Yankees wanting to play the Red Sox or the Rays and the first opponents? No, they're going to pick the other team. So that's what's kind of neat about that. That'd be kind of fun. Um, last year, going off last year's records, of course, the Mets and Diamondbacks would have been the 6 and 7 seeds in the National League, respectively as both teams ended the year with, on winning streaks, pushing them past the Cubs in the final standings. So again, if you've got seven teams now, not much cadillac at the end there. Not like, oh, well, we're out of the playoffs, who cares, play everybody. When you've got seven teams out of, you know, make it out of 14, there's a lot more interesting games going on, and that's going to make it more fun, I think. I'm kind of looking forward to that. I hope something like that happens. Um, the best of three format in the wild card would set up a potential for as many as 18 first-round games, 12 which would be elimination games. Every game, two would be an elimination game, and so it's three. As part of the change, Major League Baseball would eliminate any game 163 tiebreakers, using the season series between the two teams as a tiebreaker. So that's how that would... That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm sure they have a list of other formats. If that's still tied, I'm sure they'll have a list of options on how to break it down. Criteria. record, head-to-head record, league play and stuff. I don't know how they break it down, but I'm sure... Well, it'll be, not stupid, they'll figure it out. It'll be interesting. I do like the Selection Sunday or the Selection Show. That that took off huge with NCAA basketball to have that Selection Show yeah. that everyone tuned in to watch that. And now they're doing it you know, with the women's basketball and I think the yeah. hockey and you know other what? sports they're doing the Selection Show because that's, that sells. People can tune in and, and, and watch that. So that would make sense. The, the only thing I hope they do for that is I love, and, you know, I love Major League Baseball Network. They always have their draft is on that channel, and they do the Hall of Fame announcements on that channel. I just hope they go to Selection Sunday. They let Fox or NBC do it, not their network, so more people can see it. You want to push your sport, have your playoffs on one of the major cable outlets, not on a paid channel like that. Correct. Well, that's interesting uh, with the, all the new rule changes. As, as we said, the season's starting. They're in spring training right now. How about what are your thoughts on the cheating scandal that's currently going on, making all the news? You know, I saw... Dick Bremer, Twins uh, announcer, he put on Twitter, he goes, about the Astros, he goes, Major League Baseball should take a page out of college sports and just not let them be in the playoffs for the next two years. Well, that would be that you know, not thought, playoff I kinda, eligible. I kind of laughed, but I thought that would be kind of cool, too, in a way, though. It's like, okay, fine, you guys can play, but you can't be in the playoffs for two years. How would that affect the games during the year, you know? I mean, talk about someone playing spoiler all the time. They could, they well, could run off a 115-win season and just, you know, or... A 15-win season, who knows? And the detriment there would be the upcoming prospects joining and making the big league team and then not having a chance to go to the postseason because of something the previous players on the roster did. Yeah. Do they tank it for two years to get draft picks or do not let that affect it? How yeah. There would be more into it, but 
the first initial point of that, I thought, God, I could kind of see that. That'd be kind of neat. You know, that'd be a, hey, you got to play, but you know what? You, we'll still make you division champs if you want. There's be a little asterisk that you didn't make the playoffs because of this. You wouldn't want to be traded to that team. Talk about guys adding, ah, uh, now I'm no trade in my contract. I can't Claws. go to the Astros. You know? Oh, yes. <laughs> or I can't go to any team under suspension, you know. But that's part of the deal. It's It makes sense. I've heard a lot of players coming out uh, with their apologies. Yes. Um, you know, the owner for the Astros, he got caught in a couple tongue-tying situations where he said he didn't affect or it did affect. But you know what? He's the owner. I honestly believe the owner of the Astros had no idea what was going on. And that could be the case. That could certainly be the case. I, the players coming out apologizing. I've heard from a couple of guys, uh, Tony Davis, who's now at the A's, and uh, J.D. Davis at the Mets. Tony Davis said he was up and down for a few times a cup of coffee there over four years. He said he got there, and at first he goes, I was the rookie. They were the, the professionals. I just kind of thought, hey, that's what everybody does. That's what I've heard different guys say. Tony Davis said, he goes, they asked me if I want to be part of it. I said no. Other guys just thought, were told that's, he just thought that's what was done in majors. He never knew. That was his first time with the teams. So, you're all, even though you go, well, you're all professionals, you're still starstruck when you go to the majors from the minors. I don't care what sport you're in. You go from college to pro football or minor league hockey to pro hockey. You're just, that's just the way it is. And you just think, oh, they must all do that here. This is the big leagues. Well, they don't. And now they're finding out, too. So, uh, some of the guys who were there for a little bit to trade at this and that, yeah, I feel bad for them. They were all kind of blacklisted that way, but we're finding out the hard way. I I don't know how other people are going to re- respect or, uh, what's what we're looking for, react to the Astros. Fan voting for all-star team? Are any of those guys going to get votes at all? Yo, who knows? And you got to have one player from each team in the all-star game. How do you like to be that poor Astro guy who gets voted down to that team this year? Correct. Now, what about also making the news on the cheating? Uh, was the player who hit the home run, and uh, the teammates were celebrating, trying to rip the jersey off. Jose Altuve. And he says, "No, no, keep it on. Don't take it off." And then quickly after the off uh, on the field celebration, went in and changed and came out with something else. Um, what was he hiding underneath that shirt? Well, they're all saying because at the end there, they thought they had a report saying there was a little chip in their jersey that would be a click they'd hear for like a morse code click for uh the pitches and he was afraid if it ripped off they'd see it that's the speculation coming out no one knows for sure correct there'd be no reason to to tell your teammates to hate hey don't rip off my shirt and you know what by the way i'm going to go change during the celebration that's that's very highly suspect the, the only the only excuse i'd have for him and i hate using that word but if you would have came out afterwards and said hey guys i want uh, that meant a lot to me. I hit a home run off Chapman to go to the World Series for crying out loud. That that mean I want to save the shirt for myself. If he would have came out and said that right away afterwards, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. I could have respected that. But when you don't say boo and it comes out two years later, they thought you were cheating and you don't have a reason why. You know, but like, and I can see that. Some oh, I want to keep the shirt for myself and it's important. I get that. No problem. But say something right away. Don't just let it go. Yeah, it's very, very interesting, the, the whole shakeout of, of the scandal of the cheating and whatnot. Uh, facing a lot of blowback here, here as the new season starts. Anything more on the on the cheating um, or any Major League trades uh, uh, this I know, week? I know some trades were finally finalized this week, uh, the Twins trade, uh, some other trades. Uh, just one quote I got before we get to the Twins trade. 
Everybody's saying the Red Sox, well, they must be rebuilding. They dumped the a guy who made $300 million. You traded him away. How dare you? The last team that traded away a player that signed for $300 million, that team won the World Series four months later. The Nationals got rid of Bryce Harper. He signs the big contract. Nationals win the series. The Phillies, where Bryce Harper went, finished 500. Now, I'm not saying the Dodgers are going to finish 500 this year, but just because you trade away your big player doesn't mean they've won and you lost. That's why they play the game you know correct and like you said some of it is not the players on the field it's the cash it's the salary cap it's uh trading for prospects that are are impactful in the future there's lots of angles with these big trades and how you know this guy's not a cancer in the locker room too but the twins trade is finally official so what they got here and this was kind of confusing because they got kenta maeda from the dodgers who seems to be going to roll into that number three starter spot for the Twins, and I think he'll be a good addition to the clubhouse. He's already excited. Now, he has always worn number 18. Yes. And so far, Mitch Garver currently wears 18 and has offered to give it up. He did yesterday. Mitch Garver's going to wear number 8 now. He gave it up. So he is. Okay, so that means Garver's going to switch into a new jersey. Do you know, Annie, the significance for number 18 for the Japanese players? Uh, no. I, I just heard this. Most of the Japanese players that come over and play Major League Baseball request number 18. I'm sorry, the pitchers, pitchers in particular. In the Japanese league, 18 resembles your ace, your ace starter, your best pitcher, I think always wears 18 in the Japanese league. So when they come over here to play and they are a starter, they usually request 18. And so I did not know this until I heard it on the... On, on a podcast this week that that's the reason for number 18 that's the relevant for that so mitch garver a good guy to do that give him the number that he wants and now it looks like garver's gonna wear eight now i hope that i'm sure there's someone out there who's a big mitch garver fan because if i recall this would be his fourth different jersey number in four years so, and so for the people buying the garver jersey, jersey with the number on the back uh, some of these could increase in value some of these older versions you got a nice little collection going you'll have a collection um there is also going on uh, Donaldson's still trying to buy number 20. Um, going blank who's got it for the Twins now, but he's been here for about four years. Uh, and there's a Is little... Rosario. Rosario. Yeah. Yes. So there's a little issue. Donaldson's always had 20, and I wouldn't be surprised if a check to a charitable foundation spade that might happen. I don't know. Um, but it is what it is. That's Players are up to that. I just remember back in uh, 88, I was in St. Louis when the Mets traded for Frank Viola. Well, Viola wore 16 here and he went to the Mets. Well, Doc Gooden was wearing 16. Okay, usually someone down the line you can get it off of, but you're going Cy Young Award winner to Cy Young Award winner. Trying to drop by his number. Very rare, yes. And uh, Viola ended up wearing 26, but he went to Gooden. He goes, hey, I got to ask, can, can I get the number? Can I, can I buy it from you? Doc Gooden says, you can buy my house, you can buy my car, you can buy my wife. You're not getting my number. So some players are very superstitious with their numbers. That is very interesting. Yes, the importance of that. He at least asked Gooden, you know, all-star to all-star, just in case. You never know. Maybe Gooden wasn't attached to it. you got to ask. Gooden said, you know, you can buy anything you want and you're not getting my number. You know, give me whatever you want. Not happening. Which is nice to hear that he at least offered and he was decent about it. He didn't tell him to, you know, jump in the lake. He's... Sorry. And they got to be expecting that, too, that yeah. an offer is going to come, or at least a request for something like that. I know back in the 70s and early in the 80s, some of these players wanted the jerseys, and they got them for you know, a gold watch or a color TV or something. Yeah. They'll make a, a locker room deal like that yeah. off the cuff uh, and, and do something like that when it means that much to them. But this is interesting when you get the Cy Young 
award winners both vying for the same number. So, uh, how about the Gary Carter at the end of his career? He ended it with a one of his stints was with the Dodgers, and he won number eight, which was being awarded by the third base coach at the time. When Carter asked him for the number and third base coach, going to Gary Carter, set for the Hall of Fame already his career there. All he goes, you make the club, you get the number. That's basically what he told him. So a little incentive even for the veterans to yes. not think just because you're a veteran you're on the team. He basically said you make the team you get the number, which he did and he got the number. And so that was kind of cool. Even the veterans he didn't cave into them. The coach said no, you you want it you earn it, you know. So that was kind of neat. But good, uh, good stuff. That's what I got for but the deal was the cash, and I think the Dodgers uh, for the Twins now because the tw- the Twins and Dodgers redid the deal, so it's just them and and got the Red Sox out of the deal. Yes, uh, as part of that the piece, and then they went. Uh, Gratterall, Bruce Dahl Gratterall went to the Dodgers, which is the the high prospect pitcher that I thought the Red Sox wanted, and so it ended up he ultimately went there. And what the Twins got out of the deal was another prospect, a catcher, and $10 million in cash, which I think is ultimately, roughly, what Kenta Maeda is going to be paid this year. So right. really getting him for free for this first year anyway. We're going to get the cash to pay him, which is very interesting. And got a pitcher out of our minor league systems that was reported to be injury prone. Yep, he throws the 100-mile-an-hour uh, fastball uh, and, and maybe used out of the bullpen or even as a starter, but there was possibility some inklings with with um, some some downfall some shortfall with him and it's actually good then that twins got rid of him now what they also included with the deal was an outfielder luke rayleigh is yes. who also got in and he was one of our top outfield prospects but the twins currently are heavy in the outfield area uh we got guys coming up here and we've got you know jake cave that'll be starting the year maybe even in triple a because we've got so many outfielders and the guys on the team existing that can play the outfield such as williams uh ostadillo uh, ostadillo and marwin gonzalez that we can carry on the team and not have to carry that fourth outfielder perhaps so which we've is also nice. got i think it's brent rooker coming up uh, we've got some heavy outfielders in the farm system so luke Rayleigh became expendable and that's how that deal got done. So I think good overall by the, by the Twins for, for making this happen. Gives us a little trade bait if we need to later in the year for pitching or infielders or something like that. Correct. And I thought, too, when the trade deadline was coming up, that we would use an outfielder as trade bait to get another uh, ace in, in the in the, in the the rotation. So well, that is interesting. They tried last year to get rid of Buxton for Syndergaard, and the Twins said no. And then Buxton got injured, what, a week later and was out for the year, so... So that'll be interesting to watch here. Oh, we'll follow the, the spring training starting here with the the always the thing to watch with spring training in, in roughly the 30 games they play is the injuries, who gets hurt, and the shuffling around subsequent after after you know a big name gets a uh, pitcher or a position player gets hurt. Speaking of spring training, Twins begin on Friday their first game against the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. They usually play that first game against the Gopher College Baseball D1 team, and then they start in earnest after that. So a week from today, Pittsburgh Pirates, spring training begins in Florida. A lot of teams do that. They play their college team, and then sometimes one of their last, if not the last preseason game, is against the AAA team sometimes, if they're in that area. So the Twins, and I looked at the schedule, they do play the Rochester Red Wings, their final game before breaking camp to come up north. And the Twins usually have that as a tradition to play their AAA team um, after the rosters have been all set up and, and, and then play that as a final game before they break camp and, and come up north. But everyone's down at Fort Myers now. It should be interesting the next couple of weeks to watch the teams develop. Wonderful. 
That's all I've got for baseball. Anything else? No, let's move on to XFL, NHL, and NBA. Alrighty, let's go on to the next segment here. Andy, what have you got for uh, the other sports here coming up? Well, speaking of jersey numbers real quick, I'll bring this up about the NBA. Uh, I remember back in the day as a, as a young boy, <laughs> um, Rod Crew uh, ended his career with the Angels, and Angels ended up retiring his number for the Twins did. And I always thought that was kind of odd. I've always kind of thought Played that was many funny. years for the Twins and just the back half of his career with the Angels. I mean, yeah, that's where he got his 3,000th hit, all these other keystone things, but he never really won a championship there. With that said, this weekend, the Boston Celtics are retiring KG's number 5 before the uh, Timberwolves retire his 21. So Kevin Garnett wore 21 for here and 5 for the Celtics, but the majority of his career was with the Timberwolves. But he did get a ring in Boston, so I can kind of see them doing that, but I kind of say a shame on the Timberwolves for not jumping on this. We we need butts in the seats why we didn't invite him back for a jersey retirement right after he retired to do that. Or I believe they haven't retired his jersey yet. Reports I already hadn't. I could be wrong, but I think the Celtics retiring it already is kind of premature. He didn't do that much there except get him a ring. And that would be number five for the Celtics that he wore. But yep. very interesting how uh, teams do that and try to almost not poach it, but uh, get in, sneak in there before the other. Because then it makes it look bad for the other team to subsequently come in and retire the jersey after the initial team did. Right. Yeah, the... The Timberwolves have uh, two retired numbers, and or retired numbers, is, they have one. It's the number two from Malik Seeley. And then they have a jersey that says flip on it. They didn't give didn't award flip a number because basketball coaches don't have numbers. And uh, I suppose they could use this go for a number, but they didn't. Um, but it just says flip, so they have one number retired, and it's not Garnett. It's Malik Seeley's who, God rest his soul, passed away early when he played here, and they retired his number right away, but... Because of the death, not, yep. not because of you know he was he was talented. He was a good career, and he was buddies with KG. That's why KG wore twenty one because of the two from Malik Seeley, mm. and that's why he wore two when he went to uh, Brooklyn at the end. But yeah, so the Celtics retiring KG's number before the Timberwolves. I don't know. It kind of burns me a little bit, but it burns me that uh, as a shame on the Timberwolves, not as a shame on the Celtics. Correct. And then the NHL uh, the other day, the Wild did fire, fire their head coach Bruce. Bruce Boudreaux, um, assistant k- takes over. Uh, he's be listed as the interim head coach right now, They're, so not making anything official. But kind of late in the season to fire a guy, but kind of gives you that much more time to look for someone else too. So, yeah, but, maybe just enough to rattle the cages to yeah. uh, to see how the players respond to something like this. Uh, this coach lateness. Bruce will find he's sixty two. I think they said sixty three. So he's maybe he's had his share. I don't know if he's gonna. He's never really won anything big in the leagues. He's always kind of been that next best guy. Uh, maybe he's done. Maybe he'll go into a front office with somebody else. Maybe he'll be on NHL TV or a network for broadcasting. Who knows? Um, but, you know, good luck to him in the future. Uh, good luck to the new coach coming in, whoever that's going to be. Um, I know I'm not going to apply for the job. I'm not a big skater or hockey guy, so I'd look really silly out there trying. Um, maybe they bring Lou Nanny back for another run. Exactly. For it. But that's that's what I got on that. Um, and also, before we get to the XFL, tomorrow, Daytona 500, with your Grand Marshal, President Donald John Trump. Now, that's never happened before, correct? Right. A president as a Grand Marshal of the Daytona 500. So that is uh, significant. Which is kind of interesting. The thing I like about NASCAR, too, is they televise the national anthem where no one's going to kneel there. you got 
how many thousands of rednecks sitting around. No one's going to kneel for the national anthem. They televised the national prayer, which I think is kind of cool. The networks still do that for NASCAR. They have it, which is great, but the fact they televised it, I think, is cool. Um, on all the, the songs and the national anthems and God Bless Americas and speeches and everything else. But Trump being there, I think, is going to be pretty neat. to be kind of fun to watch. But uh, Daytona 500, I have nothing for polls. They do all that today. That's another great thing about the Daytona 500. You can't... Qualifying. Qualifying is all today, so... In between games of XFL, if you want to flip back and forth, watch a bunch of guys make left turns. What do you got for XFL there? XFL Week 2 is today. Games at 1 and 4 p.m. Tomorrow, the games are at 2 and 5 p.m. Once again, the neat, the neat thing with the XFL is that there's no bye weeks. Um, there's no games that are overlapping. Uh, you can sit and watch... Uh, two games every Saturday, two games every Sunday, and get get your uh, football fix in that way. There was one uh, firing, I think, a, uh, a defensive coordinator for Los Angeles was fired after only week one. Pepper Johnson. Former, Pepper Johnson. Former Giant? defensive player for the Panthers. Okay. I think so the Giants the Panthers are Super Bowl run year, I think. Some interesting things there. That, you know, the games were good. I watched uh, a portion of all the games. There was one big upset. You know, the Dallas Renegades were, were expected to put up big, big points, uh, uh, win and possibly win the win the league. They've got the biggest names, uh, big coaching staff there, and they put up, I think, nine nine points. Philip Nelson was their quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback was Philip Nelson for that first one week, uh, and he threw a couple of touchdowns, I think, and one interception. Didn't look good at times and did look good at other times. Uh, they were playing from behind, lost the very first week, uh, but now their normal quarterback, Landry Landry Jones, will be back under center in this weekend's game. So Philip Nelson will be now back to the as a backup. But uh, he was a local local kid here, uh, and from Mankato West. And so XFL this week, uh, week two, and once again it's a ten week season with two rounds of playoffs, semifinals, and a championship game that all conclude at the end of April. So that is all that I've got on the XFL. Anything else for uh, NBA, W, uh, NHL? Nope, that's all I got. Perfect. All right, let's move into high school sports here in the state of Minnesota. Very active time of the year here, yes. middle of February. We do know that March Madness is when things kick into high gear. But I'm not sure if many of our listeners uh, are aware of the fact that Mid-February is when things really ramp up as well. Yeah, tournaments we got going on this weekend is uh, Boys and Girls Nordic Ski Racing and Dance Competitions are this weekend already. Um, then we go into Girls Hockey, starts Wednesday. Girls Gymnastics next uh, that Friday, the 21st. State Wrestling the week after that. Boys and Swimming and Diving the next week. And then Boys Hockey, March 4th. So every weekend there's something going on. Um, college rankings we'll put on the Facebook page later today. Uh, high school rankings we'll go through those real quick here and get and uh, talk about girls hockey at the end. Boys basketball 4A, not much change in a lot of the rankings the last few weeks. Uh, boys basketball 4A still goes Ian Prairie, Eastview, and Creighton Durham Hall. 3A is Minnehaha Academy, Mankato East, and De La Salle, with Waconia coming in at number six. 2A Caledonia, Wasika. Lake City, and coming at number seven, Minnesota Valley Lutheran. Number one is Bold, Henning, Henning and Ada Burrup. Girls basketball. 4A, Hopkins, who, like I said before, could probably beat some college teams. Harrington, two, Wyzetta, three. 3A for girls basketball is De La Salle, Becker, and Simley. Waconia coming at number 10 for girls basketball in 3A. 
two Sox Center, Fergus Falls, and Rochester Lords. And in 1A is Miniota, Cromwell, Henning, and Mayor Lutheran coming in at number six. Boys hockey, theirs is kind of coming up to an ending rankings because they start their sectional playoffs coming up pretty soon. But uh, 2A has Andover, Blake, Ian Prairie, 1, 2, 3. Uh, a lot of shifts there uh, jumping around. And Prior Lake moving up to number 6 for boys hockey in 2A. And in 1A is St. Cloud Cathedral, Hermantown, War Road, and Delano coming in at number 8. Girls hockey last night finished up all their section finals. Um, you know, 1 through 5, and then the other 3 just kind of fall into place. So I don't know the seedings yet. They'll be announced later, probably today or tomorrow. But here's your winners for each section. In double A, section one was the number two seed Farmington winning that one. Uh, number two, or I mean, I'm sorry, section two double A was the number one seed Minnetonka. Number three was the number three seed Burnsville, and they beat down number four Egan in the championship. So lots of upsets in the section three. Section, the rest of the sections were all won by the number one seeds. Number four was Hill Murray. Uh, section five was Maple Grove. Number six, again, was Edina for the sixth straight year they go to the state tournament. Uh, section seven was Andover. Andover won their three games, thirteen to nothing, ten nothing, and eight nothing. So wow, for hockey uh, that is for uh, girls hockey. I'm pretty unbelievable. Sure, I'm guessing Andover is going to get one of those top seeds right there. I believe they were one of the top ranked teams at the end there. So watch out for Andover in the girls tournament. And then Rosso was number one, or was the winner for the eighth section eight, their number one seed. Section A. Uh, so, uh, Class A, I should say. Section 1 was Rochester Lords. They were the number 1 seed. Section 2, the number 2 seed, Hutchinson. They made it. Uh, Section 3, the number 1 seed, Laverne won. Uh, The Russies were all the number 1 seeds also. Section 4 was South St. Paul. Section 5 was Breck. 6, Wilmer. 7, Cloquet, Esco, Carlton. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And number 8 was War Road. So those are your... uh, Teams that made it, they'll be ranking them up coming up here pretty soon. I wouldn't base it off what the state rankings are. They all kind of reassess it right now. It's going to be a new ranking again, so I'm not going to look at what last week's rankings were to try to guess on that. Um, that wouldn't be fair to the, getting anybody's hopes up. There will be no um, rankings anymore. This is going to be it. We will probably Tuesday, once we have the rankings out, we will have our uh, projected winners, probably not the whole bracket, but just Winner, overall winner, you know, or a championship game, who we think will be a championship game. You'll see us post that on the Facebook page later on, probably Tuesday. But that is the high school sports wrap-up. Like I said, we got other things coming up. Uh, the Nordic skiing is this weekend, along with dance. Girls hockey and all the other ones coming up. Like I said, we got boys hockey March 4th, and then after that is the girls and boys basketball and other things like that. Uh, it's just a very exciting time for high school sports every weekend. I know... Channel 45 on their website carries a lot of the stuff on there. Um, the hockey and basketball they televise. You can find a lot of stuff online to watch the games, too. I was watching for the dance team yesterday. K-Check Radio on their Facebook page shows the dances live on there. So go hmm. to K-Check's Facebook page. If you're in the dance, you can watch that. You can watch yesterday's, too, because that's the great thing on Facebook. It's still sitting there. You can still watch them. Um, so go out and give those a watch if you're into that. Um, there's a sports coming up. Very exciting time of year for high school sports. Yeah, and this weekend, uh, wrestling is is interesting because wrestling is one of the sports that has actually two rounds of sectionals, uh, two weekends uh, before the state tournament uh, begins. This weekend is the sectional team, the teams. Uh, so there's, there's there's three classes. There's a class A, class AA, and a class AAA. 
And in wrestling, eight teams will make the state. There's eight sectionals. You have to win your section, which is this weekend. You have to win your section to go to state. And after this weekend, if you do not win, your uh, your team is done. And the state tournament is in two weeks. Next weekend, it is the individual brackets. Uh, individual, there's 14 weight classes. Regardless of your team that you're on, you still have to win or place second in that entire round at that weight for the section. And that is next weekend. All 14 weight classes, uh, you will wrestle the champion and the second place uh, person will advance to the state. And uh, for individuals, uh, 16 individuals will make the state at a certain weight class, uh, both the champion and the runner-up. And so once again, teams are this weekend. Individuals uh, are next weekend. And uh, you can make, you know, your, your team can go and you can also go as an individual. So some, some teams, uh, players get there and will be on both events. But that'll be in three weeks, the state wrestling, high school wrestling championships. That's all I've got for high school sports. All right, now on to the musical section. Uh, I've got the uh, album today. Album of the week. Led Zeppelin II, 1969, release on October 22nd. One of my favorite albums of all time, actually. And this was very interesting. And coming up with the the research that I that I put in every week to come up with this is, is interesting because I don't just pull it off of uh, information from my... From the top of my head, I usually do the research. And this stuff is, is as good as this album was, and the players and the band members, I learned some new things. Only nine songs in the album. All were recorded in separate studios on separate days while they were on tour for their album one, their uh, Led Zeppelin one album. They were on tour. They put this together. Both albums were released in the same year. So 1969 had two albums by Led Zeppelin. This was in October 22nd. In the U.S. and October 31st, it was released in the U.K. by Atlantic Records, and so they, as they made stops on their t concert tour, they were able to record and put this together, and release it later. Produced by Jimmy Page, uh, on Atlantic, total length 41 minutes. Uh, Led Zeppelin II was a commercial success and was the band's first album to reach number one in the charts in the U.S. and the U.K. And has anyone ever wondered about the album's cover? The album's cover was the big uh, blimp, the, uh, the, Zeppelin, the Zeppelin behind there, uh, with members of the band in front uh, with some clouds and smoke behind the scenes. And I didn't know this, but David Juniper did that, uh, did the artwork for the cover of this album, and actually was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Recording Package in 1970. What he did was took the old World War I photograph uh, from Germany, took that photo and pasted the faces of the Led Zeppelin band and some others on the front over that image. And, and basically it's that image. I did not know that as well. It early was a, photoshopping. It was early photoshopping, and back then, this was 1969, they put this together. It was a, it was a rude, rudimentary crude uh, cutting and actually pasting and taping the uh, small figures heads onto the images to make it look like it was the band. It was the German Air Force during World War One called the Flying Circus led by the Red 
Baron. And then in the front, there is a woman, a blonde-haired woman on the cover is French actress Delphine Syrig. And she had a role of Mary Magdalene in the film Mr. Freedom, uh, done in 19, uh, done in 1969. So that's where the album art came from. Very interesting. Once again, nine songs on the nine tracks on the album. And the songs, track listings, Whole lot of Love actually was a cover song. No, not original from Led Zeppelin, but boy, did they do that one well. One of my favorites. Uh, they've got uh, What Is and What Should Never Be, the Lemon Song, which is the other song taken, another song taken as just a cover song. And then they've got Thank You, a uh, romantic song. Uh, Robert Plant wrote that song to his wife. The lyrics of that is directed towards his wife. On side two is Heartbreaker, Living Loving Maid, parentheses, She's Just a Woman. That song was basically an ode to one of the groupies on the tour that they uh, made that song. The lyrics are about her. And then we've got Ramble On, Moby Dick, an instrumental with John Bonham. Um, uh, very good drumming. And then Bring It On Home is the last song of the album, also a cover song. So of the nine songs, six original songs written and produced by the band, three were cover songs that they later took. And this album was certified 12 times platinum. 12, and I repeat that, 12 times platinum. Uh, single, double, triple platinum are huge. A lot of the albums that, that we review here on the show are multi-platinum, but 12, it is uh, something else. The musical style is blues-derived material from the guitar riff-based sound. It's been described as the band's heaviest album. And the three songs were uh, that were covers were reinterpretations of the Chicago blues songs by Willie Dixon and Howlin' Wolf. Uh, which is also something I, I did not know at the time. And like I said earlier, each song was uh, separately recorded, mixed, and produced at various studios in the U.S., uh, in, in North America and the U.K. Basically, the album was written on tour during periods of a couple hours in between concerts where they booked a studio and recorded the song. Uh, one thing I did not know, it was uh, Led Zeppelin II was the first credits, songwriting credits for Robert Plant, the lead singer, was on his, this album. The first album he wrote and did some songwriting was unallowed, not allowed to take credit for those because of his prior contract with CBS Records. I think he's doing okay financially, though. I, I don't think I heard him too I much. I think he's doing. <laughs> I think he's doing uh, okay. The song "Thank You" once again was Robert Plant as a love song to his wife Marine. On that song, Jimmy Page, uh, one of my personal favorite guitarists of all times, played the twelve-string guitar. Uh, John Paul Jones played a Hammond organ on the track, as well. Heartbreaker, good song. It was really a showcase. For Jimmy Page's guitar skills, very good song, and it's very similar where Moby Dick uh, was uh, that instrumental is a showcase for John John Bonham's. All right, I don't have any birthdays for this week. Um, anyone in music history born this week? Just no one that I thought. 